Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Chander LaFave Boten, Christopher Ifill, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Ian Collis, John Dulong, John Griswold, Josias Melendez, Leanne S., Light Relentless, and Teresa. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Well, it's uh, you know a good good month or two before the big day. We've uh, you know I, I realize we've got a lot of people celebrating a lot of different things out there. But of course, when I say the big day, I do mean December the twenty fifth. But I decided, you know, you guys, you 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 kids out there listening to Elwood City Limits, you've been good. So I think that you deserve a bit of a treat. So we have a returning guest who is a... It's a gift for me, too. It's a little bit of a gift for me. you got to take care of yourself around uh, Christmas as well. So I decided to give a gift for everybody. So my name is Will Young. Welcome to this episode of Elwood City Limits. Lucas, uh, not able to join us this week, but filling in, pinch hitting, uh, for the second time, is return guest host and uh, friend of the show. It's uh, JV. What's up, JV? Not much, man. I saw that y'all were getting to episode nine, so I was already prepared in the back of my head. Because I think if I remember correctly, the last time I was a guest host, it was also on the penultimate episode of the season. So here I am. You called. Uh, Really excited to go ahead and break down some Arthur with you yet again. Uh, And stoked to be able to talk to you a little bit before Best of the Nest. You know, I'm sure that that TriCast, if if hopefully all of our schedules can align, is going to be really swell. But man, we have a gut punch of episodes uh, to deal with today as well. Well, you, I mean, hey, you said it there, so might might as well. I, I've been kind of hinting that you would be back at some point, so might as well put it all out on Front Street. Uh, yes, our plan is to do a massive tricast. I like that. I like that. Uh, tricast of uh, the opening to season six, Best of the Nest. It's a double feature, and I really couldn't think of anything anyone better then uh, eSportscaster JV to join us for that one. So that is the plan, and I'm really looking forward to that one. But before we get there, we've still got a couple of episodes left before we can uh, leave Season 5 in the dust. JV, what have you been up to since uh, was, since we talked to you last? Well, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of cooking in the background that unfortunately I'm not really at liberty to talk about right now. Mm. Uh, but... Fingers crossed, if everything goes well, by the next time you hear me on your show, uh, I'll have a little bit more to reveal. Um, since that time, I guess, uh, some things I can talk about, uh, I've been a guest on a, uh, another podcast as well, which has been really swell. Um, and yeah, you know, so far, just really enjoying married life more than anything else uh, and catching up on a massive backlog of games. I don't know about you, Will, but right now I feel like I have the godlike combo of gaming right now, right? I got my PS4, I got my Switch, and my wife built this beastly PC, which I have commandeered uh, and now I have access to several people's Steam libraries. So right now I'm, I'm knees deep in some Sonic Mania, baby. Sonic just trying to knock Mania. that out. Man. Oh, yeah. You never played Sonic Mania? Oh, no, I did. Uh, I believe when it came out last year, Lucas and I kind of talked about it because I was I I, uh, I got that pretty pretty soon after it came out. I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I think it is a tremendous one of those Sonic games. So I'm I'm hoping you're enjoying it uh, more than I more than I did. 
You know, I, I think there was a moment in the game. You know, at, at first I was just kind of playing around. I was like, all right, you know, this is fun, nostalgic, it's pretty chill. But then there's this one section of the game that kind of comes out of nowhere. And the difficulty amps up accordingly as well. And I think it's the first, like, holy crap moment of the game, right? And, and I think since that time, that, that probably happened maybe two hours or so into the game, uh, it's, it's really got a good vice grip on me right now. So I think I'm approaching the end zone and I'm having a great time with it so far. Uh, but honestly, I've just been playing some great games, man. Um, I think bef- you know, a little bit after we talked, I got to play this one game called Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Which oh, I, oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that <laughs> I think might be uh, definitely the best game I've played this year, um, even though I think it came out a couple years ago. Um, and one of the best games I think I've, I've ever played as well. Wow, that was incredible. Um, I just beat Doom uh, a couple nights ago oh, also. Oh, yes. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been good, man. It's, it's a weird mix of games, to say the least, right? I got, I got Sonic on the PC. I got, Shovel, I got, I got Ho- Hollow Knight on the Switch. I'll probably crank up some Shovel Knight or some Firewatch next. Oh, man. We're all over the place, baby. I'm loving it. You're speaking my language here. Uh, it's funny. It, it sounds like you're catching up on a lot of last year's games as we end off on this year. Man, that's the pro tip, right? Mm. I'm not out. Look, look. Everybody out here playing Spider-Man, all right? I'm out here playing Batman Arkham Knight because I picked it up for $3, okay? Ooh, yeah. Okay, that's, that's, that's the stretch. That's what you want to pick that up for, I'd say. $3 is good. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, but oh, yeah. I, I, agree, I agree with you. I think that sometimes it can get to be a little bit of a race uh, within video games. They're just like, okay, the new thing came out. I have to play it now before, you know, I hear about it from anybody else. But I, I'm more, <coughs> excuse me, I tend to... Uh, swing towards what you're talking about because I think the the important thing is it's not to you know tell other people that you played something it's to have fun playing the thing yourself so uh, you know I I think it's actually a really good idea especially because now those games are going to be a great deal cheaper uh, than what they were so I'm glad that you got to them at all Um, Hellblade was one of my absolute favorite games of last year it's a favorite of mine in general kind of like you said as well Doom is awesome I'm considering rebuying that because I actually traded it in last year but I've been wanting to get back to playing it again but I will say uh, I did something I normally don't do recently and I bought two pretty new games that I've been kind of doing a tag team with uh, Spider-Man and God of War Ooh, you know, I have God of War sitting right behind me on, on a little shelf. I have a buddy and I, you know, we, we both never had a PlayStation. I was always a Nintendo Xbox kid, and he's been PC Master Race, I guess, since he came out of the womb. <laughs> uh, so we've been slowly catching up on the backlog of awesome Sony exclusives. Like, uh, let's see, we beat uh, The Last of Us earlier this year for the first time, and wow, that actually is... I, I take it back. That's the best game I've played this Spe- year. Speaking and of my favorite... God. Yeah, speaking of my favorite games. Yeah, yeah. Um, and after right after that, we, we knocked out um, Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, speaking my of my favorite games, hello. Yeah, yeah. I'm t- it's been a great session for JV, okay? 2018 is the year where, where I became woke on PlayStation <laughs> games, all right? L- let, me just, let me just say... Um, we're going through Uncharted as well, so we yeah. beat Uncharted One. We're gonna yeah. um, tackle, I think, uh, Ori in the Blind Forest next before doing Uncharted Two and Three and Four. Okay. Uh, and God of War, of, of course, as well. So yeah, it's it's been good. It's been some good sessions, man. You're hitting the highlights there, so I think that your direction uh, leaves nothing to be desired. So that's good, and I hope that you have some uh, some more good sessions to come. Uh, well, it's great to have you back, JV, and I'm gonna get get you into it here before we get into the episode at large. 
Uh, we do have an email to address here. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com is where our lovely listeners send us all kinds of feedback and uh, where we can read it on the air. So this one comes in from Dylan. The email is called TV Time. And I'm interested to kind of get your thoughts on this. So, <coughs> excuse me. I also have coming off from a chest cold, so I'll try to cough away from the mic uh, so that you I don't scramble anybody's ears. Uh, Am I getting some chocolate rain vibes real quick? Like I move away from the mic to cough? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some stay dry and others feel the pain. Uh, and the pain is, <laughs> sounds like that. Uh, Dylan says, so last week we on the show talked about catching Pokemon at a certain time on TV. Lucas and I were talking about having to get home at 4.30 because that's what time it was on. Uh, Dylan says that reminded me of my childhood. I'm glad Pokemon is on Netflix now, so I don't have to wait till 4.30 for it to be on. This also reminds me of my adulthood. I'm 24, and I still bug my parents by telling them Jeopardy is on at 7.30, even though I record it on the PVR. And he also uh, uh, has, a, has a joke here from... Uh, it's, I'll continue that here. When I was a kid, however, I remember this one time I had to catch my favorite episode of that 70s show where the gang crosses the U.S.-Canada border to get beer. The infamous Tommy Chong line, no, you get out you get out of Canada, man, that he says to Dave Thomas and Joe Flaherty after they tell the gang to get out of Canada themselves is hilarious. To make a long story short, I missed the episode. So talking about um, kind of catching shows when we were younger and now that we're older. Speaking of which, Jeopardy on Netflix, that is a game changer. I love it. Wow. Yeah, I just noticed it actually last night that... On my next Netflix queue, it was Alex Trebek's Smile and Face. And I was super stoked about it. I can't wait to catch up on those. It's fan- uh, I will- It's fantastic. It's such a great resource to have because it's the easiest casual television there is. It's just 20 minutes straight up. And the ones the, the Jeopardy that's on Netflix is like the uh, Tournament of Champions. So they all Ooh. know what they're doing. And it's like high-level play. So it's fun to watch and it's fun to play yourself. It's perfect for netflix and i can't believe it took them this long oh man uh, you know we're talking about jeopardy we talked about games we might as well bring it full circle have you seen that clip of the the jeopardy category about games and they managed to get i think every single one wrong i think so yeah oh it's so brutal it's so brutal to watch oh my <laughs> oh my i'll have to see if i can get an audio clip from that um, so in, in terms of Dylan's email, by the way, Dylan, thank you for your email, uh, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Uh, JV, was there, was there ever a show whose time, time zone that you have to, you still remember from having to catch it as a kid? So Lucas and I grew up in the same area, so our, kind of our times were the same, but, uh, since you're in the United States, I wonder if, uh, there was anything, uh, different on your end. You know, it's hard to say, honestly. Uh, man, there's just so many great shows back then, um, especially coming back after school. And I remember it was pretty common for us to come back after school and maybe throw on an episode of Recess that would just be on the TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a great time with that, for sure. Uh, for me, I think, though, most of my television watching, um, you know, aside from Arthur, which I'd watch pretty much every day when I would come back from school, uh, would be more centered around Saturday morning cartoons. Because especially yeah. when I was growing up, man, there were some bangers, right? Like Jackie Chan Adventures, Batman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond. Ooh, ooh. 
I, I will tell you, I don't know. I, I, I think for us, it was, it was, it was CW33. That was the channel for us that had all the, all the good like Warner shows, I suppose. Yeah. I, was there like an equivalent of that in, in Canada as well? Or was it also CW33? So we got, you know, if you had, if you had cable, then you could get the American uh, channels doing their, um, you, you were never really short for children's programming on a Saturday morning because like our local uh, broadcaster CBC had one, although it was kind of a bit more uh, focused towards younger kids. Then there was uh, YTV, which was the um, which was literally youth television, which had their Saturday morning stuff. Uh, Fox Kids was the big one. Uh, we got the the feed from Rochester, New York, uh, over in uh, Nova Scotia, and then also ABC's One Saturday Morning, which had you know your recess and Pepper Ann and all that kind of stuff. Man, some some great theme songs with that too. I bet I bet if I if I just started singing Pepper Ann, you'd you'd break into a little song of Who's that girl? No, that's, that's what's her name? Is she cool? <laughs> is she lame? Oh, you talk about what's her name? Pepper Ann, Pepper Ann. Oh yeah. Listen, the if there's one if there's one of several YouTube holes that I can get lost in, it's, you know, cartoon intros. So Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I think okay, so so I'm just gonna throw one out there that I think is very slept on. Okay. Right? Yeah. Jowlin Showdown. Okay, I think I was a bit I was I was a bit outside the age range for Jowlin Showdown. I never I never watched it. Ah, bummer. See, that makes me feel a little depressed because I know I'm older than you, maybe by a year. So I was definitely out of the age range of it, <laughs> but it was still a lot of fun to watch. All right. Yeah. I still remember Gongi Tampai. All right. It's no Yumo Guigui Fight Eat Zhao from Jackie Chan Adventures, but it's still it's it still got the job done. Okay. Sure. It still got the job done. Yumo Fue Fue White Eats Zhao, yeah. That's that's I yeah, just I'd watched just enough of Jackie Chan Adventures to have that emblazoned in my mind forever. Hey, I'll tell you what, if 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 come April first, twenty nineteen, you decide that the April Fool's joke is gonna be y'all pivoting to a Jackie Chan Adventures <laughs> show, just hit me up, all right? We'll talk about some talismans, we'll talk about some some legendary animals. We'll make it happen. We'll talk about chupacabras, okay? That's season two, season three nonsense, all right? I'm ready. I'm well, ready. Well, I'll have to keep that in my back pocket for a little something something. I've already I've already got a plan for April Fool's twenty nineteen, so don't you guys worry about that. <laughs> all right. After 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 much ado, uh I think it's about time we start talking about Arthur. Not that I mind at all. Uh it's great to have you back here, J V. And uh the episode that we're talking about today. Uh, is it's inter- it's interesting. I wish I could remember exactly which episode that you and I did before. I was trying to look it up on the sly at the beginning here, but uh, my memory my memory failed me. I can help you out here. So we did what is that thing, which was the bobbin episode. Um, that was the first one that we covered. Oh, okay. And the I think I I I feel like the the second one that we covered was the one where Arthur and Buster are each other for the day. Wow, that was... Li- with Element X. That was literally the ninth... You're right, the ninth episode of season four. That just that yep. feels like so long ago because that came about with, with like through DM, Twitter DMs with you and I. That's how, you, that's how we met. And that feels like... I, th- I would have guessed that that was like er- earlier this year, but like that was literally 10 episodes, full episodes of the show ago. Yeah, I mean, we've had some filibusters in between, but uh, yeah, huh. 10 episodes ago, and, and like clockwork, here we are. 
Well, it's it, it all works out for a reason, doesn't it? <laughs> so today we're talking about Just Desserts and The Big Dig, neither of which I really remembered from the name. But once we kind of got started here, it, it kind of to roll back into my head. Uh, Just Desserts uh, begins with Arthur reading a what he what he assumes we assume are is a scare your pants off book because he's marveling at how a kid was eaten was swallowed whole bones and all. But no, he's actually reading fairy tales and. Uh, this is Arthur's first realization as an eight-year-old that, you know, old-school fairy tales are pretty grim. No pun intended. Yeah, man. So those those old-school fairy tales, they go hard, all right? For, for lack of a better word to describe them, they really do go hard. And you're kind of surprised, I think, just because so many of them are adapted into... Um, I guess Disney Disney movies. Yeah, that you think that it's all it's all happy and cheerful, but really there are some really dark and twisted twisted stories uh, in the world of fairy tales, to say the least. Kids, don't read the original Little Mermaid fairy tale uh, if you're feeling down or depressed. Like it's not going to help. Yeah, not 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 the best play. No, definitely not the best play. All right, I, I I'd say go ahead, cuddle up with some oh the places you'll go by Dr. Seuss. Never stops me from having a good time. All right, I I know what I'm in for with that ride. Can't okay? can't go wrong with the Seuss man. He'll, he won't. You really can't. He won't lead you astray. Uh, but even the Seuss man can lead you astray too. I I was reading some stuff about his personal life and. Didn't he have an affair with a, a woman whenever he his wife was dying of cancer? I was like, "Come on, man, Doctor Seuss, really?" Well, I okay, so that that sucks. Don't get me wrong, but come on, you can't. It's, it's like you're not. It's not like you're gonna read the Cat in the Hat, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's there. The, he Doctor Seuss includes his mistress in the in the storyline. Right? <laughs> it's not exactly going to affect your reading of uh, the Lorax. To know yeah, that, you know, so. maybe it, it was part of, you know, obviously Dr. Seuss, I think that's that's just his pen name, right? Yes. So maybe with that, he had like a split identity thing where, you know, he would be in his, his old self whenever he was with his dying wife and Dr. Seuss with his mistress. Ah, uh, Dr. Man, Dr. Se- this is a weird tangent. This <laughs> is a really weird tangent. <laughs> Dr. Seuss and Mr. Geisel over here. It's a little strange. Uh, we speaking of speaking of weird references to things. Speaking of weird tangents, uh, we get a couple of like movie references here because Arthur like is illustrating what fairy tales can be like. We get a scene of like a giant pig talking to a king in his book, and then the pig looks at the camera and says, "And I was doing this hundreds of years before, babe." <laughs> weird shot at babe. Uh, seven years after it came out. Yeah, I think that uh, the the pig from the fairy tale, you know, being the OG hipster that he is, I, I appreciated it. And uh, in this one where this two-headed giant is menacing this knight, uh, they do the cl- they do the bit of like, you know, I say we put him in a soup. I say we put him in a a casserole or something. And then the knight says, I say we let him go, which is a <laughs> reference to Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I did not catch that. Wow. Wow. That's so great. Or, you know, definitely the beginning of this episode uh, ha- had me grinning from ear to ear. It was a really great start there with so many great references. And then Arthur decides to read us his own fairy tale about what changed his mind uh, about reading fairy tales. Uh, before we started here, uh, before we started recording in earnest, uh, 
you were kind of telling me some uh we were kind of swapping wedding planning stories because jv you've you were recently married and i'm going to be married early next year so uh when i started watching this episode knowing that you and i were going to talk about it i knew that we were going to come back to wedding planning because that's where this episode starts uh dad reed is making a humongous wedding cake which and i quote is a cake with chocolate chocolate fudge brownie cake with a vanilla custard filling topped with butterscotch icing and crumbled peanut butter toffee. Mwah, mwah, mwah. I, I, I can feel the diabetes kicking in right now just from the description alone. Oh, What an incredible masterpiece. Take me, Lord. I mean, that's... <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I need to figure out how we can spin this in, into our wedding now. Like... I, I don't I don't think Jenna would really go for it, but I gotta try, man. It's just it, this all seems none of none of that is a losing bet. The only thing close is like vanilla custard in a cake, but as long as I know it's there, then like game on, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to think how much that couple paid Papa Reed to 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 make that cake happen right because if you know i'm sure you know it's a huge cake i'm sure you know wedding cakes they're no joke they are serious dough no and he's a small business so he could really charge for uh you know the ingredients he would need for that you know he'd need chocolate cake he'd need chocolate fudge brownie cake mix vanilla custard butterscotch icing peanut butter toffees it's wild It's a lot going for it. So what, what was your what was your wedding cake? I, you know, I was going to ask you the same thing because we actually opted out of doing a traditional wedding cake. Oh. Instead, what we did was we um, went to Nothing Bunt Cakes and had them take care of everything. <laughs> so, so they basically gave uh, my wife and I like a, a big cake that would be used for the cutting and whatnot. Um, that would feed the two of us. And then all of our guests were able to get uh, their own individual Nothing Bunt cake. Uh, which ended up saving us a ton of money and actually was super delicious as well. You know, that's the one thing about wedding cakes is, is unless you spend a lot, uh, most of the time you're left with a fairly bland slice of cake at the end of the day that you paid way too much money for. Uh, but everybody at our wedding really loved our cakes a lot. It definitely made it a, a very memorable. And at the same time, we were able to save a good amount of money as well. So two birds, one stone. Efficiency, baby. That sounds entirely reasonable. We're actually... Um, so Jenna is coordinating cake tastings very soon. So she was asking me what type of, uh, what type of icing and what type of filling I would like to try. So that's, uh, the best, uh, the best, uh, uh, cake you can buy comes with free taste testings. So oh, yeah. looking forward to that. Uh, so, so, well, I'm a chocolate man through and through. All right. Uh, and that goes double for the cakes. All right. I'm all about that chocolate cake. Uh, what are you like a red velvet guy? What are we looking at? I'm much more vanilla, but I got no, I like there's not a whole lot of cakes that I will turn down necessarily. Nothing wrong with chocolate. Nothing wrong with red velvet. But vanilla. What about a carrot cake? Would you turn down a carrot cake? I I would not. And uh, if Lucas were here, he would pipe in that he he believes carrot cake is the greatest cake known to man. Man. Okay. Okay. All right. I like to think I'm pretty, you know, pretty, uh, pretty westernized at this point. Okay. But carrot cake, I think, is one of those things. It's carrot cake and mayonnaise. It's the final frontier of, of keeping me from being fully westernized. And I can't do it, man. I just can't. I'm sorry. I'm not on the carrot cake hype train. All right. I'm a, I'm a simple man. And, and look, I know being Indian, 
my culture is not necessarily known for having top tier desserts. I'll give that to the West all day long, no questions asked. All right, we got Golabja, which is pretty chill, a little too sweet for my taste, but for the most part, the West dominates the dessert game. But I can't do carrot cake, man. I've tried so many times. I like my brownies, you know. I like I like chocolate cake, you know, some red velvet cake. That's cool too. But I just, I just can't do carrot cake, man. I, I don't know what it is. Is it the taste? Is it the texture? I know the texture can be a little weird. Yeah, it's a bit of column A, bit of column B, you know. And, and Lucas is probably listening to this and being like, hmm, do we really want to try cast with this guy? Because he has some <laughs> questionable cake tastes, all right? We can do I, I'm sure we'll see eye to eye on, like, hip-hop and anime and all that. But but cakes is probably where we, we deviate just a tad, my friend, just a tad. Just enough to keep it interesting. <laughs> uh, so Arthur's got this cake on the brain. His his dad his dad won't let him have any of it before it goes off to the wedding, and I don't blame him. In fact, Arthur is seeing the cake in his dreams. Essentially, he kind of nods off in class. They're watching a uh, documentary about undersea life, and it just it just suddenly works its way in there as the narrator goes. You know, there's all kinds of animals that live on the ocean floor: the sea cucumber, the jellyfish, and the wedding cake. The, the 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 stone cold delivery on that made made that it was hilarious. Man, uh, I know that we we we've seen earlier in this season that it's it's Buster that has this 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 natural knack for being able to consume a lot of food, but Arthur is the sleeper hit whenever it comes to just being a fatty on demand. All right, I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, it's true. Uh, in fact, sometimes characters will point out about how he's a little bit pouchy because. I mean, and we see it in this episode. He's got a little bit of a, a little bit of a tummy, a little bit of a, a little bit of a fat kid streak to him. And uh, hey, we recognize our own here. I, that's that's what made me the man I am today. Uh, appetites like this one. Uh, but uh, Arthur's crazed about this wedding cake, and Grandma Thora is coming over to take care of him and DW while Dad and Mom go to the wedding. Arthur's talking about the wedding cake with Buster, and it's just like Grandma Thora's gonna be. Uh, cooking for us tonight and buster goes that cheesy tuna noodle thing that apparently grandma <laughs> thora makes which i don't know about you that sounds that sounds okay i'd try that i I, but, I, but, I i used to eat tuna helper a lot which is basically that cheesy mm. tuna noodle thing all right all right in addition to carrot cake and mayonnaise i'm gonna add tuna helper to that list of things that i just can't get behind yet as westernized as i am all right i'm I'm not about it i'm not about it but i will say kind of kind of talking about this i do appreciate some of the continuity in arthur so far right we've gotten to the point where arthur has has gone from once having a mindset where his dad's cooking was considered really weird and kind of strange and he wasn't about it. So now Arthur actually really appreciating his father for the exquisite chef that he is. Uh, and on the same token, we've, we've seen uh, this continued theme that Grandma Thora, despite having a very culinarily talented child, cannot cook to save her life. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, that's the big caveat. I think even if I was a, a tuna helper guy, I still wouldn't trust it because I just don't, trust thora's cooking all right i trust her banner making i trust pretty much anything she does except for her cooking that's a great point uh so arthur decides to uh cut her off at the pass he's not going to eat anything that grandma thora makes so he buys himself a huge haul of candy he's got like chocolate bars nougat he's got like uh fruit roll uh, something called a footsie roll which is you know tootsie roll uh 
and a bu- like a bunch of candy. So what what are you thinking in terms of uh, what this candy haul costs? Man, that's a great question, right? I this has got to be. I, I, I don't think I would go as far as twenty dollars. No, but I'd, it's got to be at least ten. I'd say definitely ten, getting close, to, getting around the fifteen dollar mark, maybe a little bit below. And that's a lot of action figures in in Arthur money. Yeah, right. Fif- I think fif- I think he he said something about fif- fifteen dollars. It's like five action figures, three, right? Three action figures, and that was true. All right, that was true at the time. Fifteen dollars back in nineteen ninety eight could get you three uh, action non deluxe action figures. Rookie mistake here, all right? He should have taken that money, saved it, and pulled a JV. Go ahead and buy yourself Horizon Zero Dawn, the complete edition, for 15 <laughs> bucks. okay? That's the strat. That's the strat. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to lie. When I saw his candy spread, Will, I really expected that he'd be smart about this, and, and maybe he'd at least ration everything out, right? That's what I was thinking, that this was candy that would last him throughout the evening because he would find ways to forego uh, the wasteland that is Thor is cooking. Yeah, I mean it's um, it, he's basically just having it having candy for dinner instead. He's trying to fill himself up so that he'll have an excuse for not want not wanting to eat Grandma Thor's cooking. But then it turns out that Dad actually left them like a fully cooked turkey dinner for them to eat. Man, coming coming in clutch, I guess, with the timing being just after Thanksgiving for us in the states. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. How did that? Yeah. How did your How did your Thanksgiving go? It's it went it went really well. This was actually the first joint Thanksgiving that we had with uh, my wife's family as well as my family. Typically, the way that it would work would be um, in years prior, I'd go over uh, and spend the afternoon with her family, and then the evening with my family because they'd usually do like a Thanksgiving lunch and. And my family would do a Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, but it was really cool just having everybody uh, under one roof um, and, and enjoying a meal together. And best of all, I only have half a tray of leftovers left, okay? I've been very strategic with my, with my Thanksgiving leftover consumption, all right? I've made sure to eat the food that would spoil quickest first, okay? Mm, so so mm-hmm. your boy's going to be okay. If, if for whatever reason I'm, I'm conked out on, on food poisoning and, and I won't be able to make the TriCast, I'll let you know. But, but right now I feel like i got a good strategy in place for taking out those leftovers. Very good. I'm glad to hear it was a success. I, I'm, I'm jealous of everybody getting to eat turkey. But don't worry, in a month's time, I'll be back on the turkey wagon once again. See, turkey's kind of a, a split thing in the States, right? Obviously, it's a big tradition at Thanksgiving. But especially when you're looking at Twitter, there's a lot of folks who are, are very turkey agnostic, I suppose. Or, or more so, it's like, it's like they, they'll take turkey, but only because they, they, you feel like you can't have Thanksgiving without it. And they much rather prefer something like ham, right? Yeah, yeah, and, I've heard and, that before. And, and I don't know, I think maybe I'm just spoiled because my mom makes some great turkey, right? Uh, but, but I feel like it's, it's you know, it's, it's a good time, you know, especially if you have the turkey and, it, and it's done well, right? I can always appreciate a great ham, right? A great ham I can have literally any time during the year and I'll, I'll be fine with it. But especially during Thanksgiving, man, like I feel like there's, there's nothing that really hits the spot quite like that, that, that nice turkey. 100% agreed. And uh, hey, for everybody who doesn't like turkey, you can just uh, give me yours and I'll have it for you. <laughs> Happy. Is there a Canadian uh, equivalent of Thanksgiving? By the way, I was, we I was trying to we, think. We have our own Thanksgiving, but it's just in October. It's in October. Really? Yeah, 
it's just a month earlier and it's it it doesn't really have the you know the mythos of like the pilgrims and what have you it's just kind of a thing i don't really know why it's different i've never looked into it okay i i don't want to say it's like it's like leaf erickson based or anything like <laughs> that because i really don't know <laughs> anything when it comes to exploring the new world outside of what i learned in in american school uh, but, but, but what's, I guess, I guess what's kind of like the story there because, because Canada's interesting. Cause I'm sure that there, there's probably some folks who came via the land bridge from, from Russia to, uh, Alaska, right? I'm sure there's some folks who first came, but then what kind of explorers do, do y'all know that, that kind of first kind of opened up the gates, uh, and made Canada what it is today? Do you have any, any insight there? Oh boy. Uh, I feel like I'm back in school again. I, uh. Gosh, I'm I I can't I can't say that I know. I'm sorry. I, I'm very it's okay, Will. I'm very ignorant. That's of why my you're hosting history. a podcast about Arthur, <laughs> and you're not on Jeopardy right now. Okay, don't worry about it. It's absolutely true. I w- I will tell you this though, fresh from the Wikipedia Gazette here, uh, Thanksgiving is uh, in Canada. It's more of a general celebration of the harvest time. So we kind of have it in October, in the middle of the fall. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Now, now the last question I have about that is when do you find that it is acceptable to start putting up Christmas decorations? Because I very staunchly believe that it has to be post Thanksgiving. I feel like a lot of people try to do it like right after Halloween's over. And I'm just like, can we just chill? There's like one more little holiday in between. And, and I feel like maybe since Canada does their celebration a month earlier, that might change those optics up a bit. So what the big controversy about that in Canada is that um, in November we have Remembrance Day on the 11th, which is to uh, uh, celebrate and honor our it's, – it's basically our version of Veterans Day that you guys okay. have in the United States. And there's a big – like there's a lot of controversy about basically how to honor Remembrance Day. And one of them is that a lot of people believe you shouldn't put up your Christmas decorations before November the 11th. And then after that, it's kind of fair game. Uh, I'm more the type of person that would, you know, once December the 1st rolls around, it's fine. But then, like, you know, I've seen Christmas decorations up in people's houses for, like, the last week or so. And I'm like, I guess that's fine. It just all seems a little soon. It feels like we're stretching Christmas out to, like, a month and a half. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm I'm totally cool with just dece- dedicating December to the holidays, right? But just seeing like people putting up Christmas wreaths like as they're taking down their their Halloween decorations, it's 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 a little too much, all right? We we need to chill just just a little bit, I think on that front. Mm, I agree. So, at the end at the end of dinner, uh grandma surprises them by having a uh, a little bit of extra wedding cake. That dad saved, and Arthur is already fit to burst, but he instead manages to fit two whole slices of cake, and he is a hurting dude. And I was just like, Arthur, all you got to do is save it for later. Let that other stuff digest, and then just enjoy it when you're well. Like I said, Arthur, our, our low-key resident fatty on demand, all right? <laughs> he could have just, he, he look, they baited us so hard with that shot, too, because you see him just being like, maybe just one piece, right? And he's taking this tiny little bite, and it's actually DW that comes in and, and says, you know, you should have had two pieces of cake. Like, wow, can we talk about how many calories Arthur has consumed in this brief window, all right? This is dangerously close to epic mealtime levels of caloric intake. <laughs> this man needs to chill. Uh, s- speaking of which, uh, resident fatty on demand, I'm changing my Twitter profile right now. 
Uh, so Arthur is has a huge stomach ache, and uh, Grandma Thora decides to read him fairy tales, which Arthur kind of balks at initially, but uh, he eventually kind of falls asleep as Grandma Thora is reading him the story of Hansel and Gretel. And we get this extended dream sequence where uh, Arthur imagines himself in DW, mainly in the story of Hansel and Gretel, and they're in, like, uh, period-appropriate clothing. Arthur has this, like, very uh, short and revealing later hosen on. And DW has a great line here uh, where Arthur's complaining about, like, how short his shorts are. And DW's like, all I get is this dress with lace trim. It's like wearing a tablecloth. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the, the, the costume work that they went with for, for this entire sequence. Everything, honestly, especially from a, from a thieving and costuming perspective, is very well done. And I definitely have to give uh, the whole team a big shout out on that front. So they go through the scary woods. They find the candy house from Hansel and Gretel, and it's uh, it's overseen by a, a particular favorite design of mine. It's Mister Ratburn uh, as like the the witch in Hansel and Gretel, and basically it's just it's Ratburn in a black witch cloak, and uh, he's got he's got the long Ratburn nose, except it's kind of drooping downward, and it's got a boil on on it. And and just speaking in a very like old crone voice, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, something about witches, man. You know, when I play Overwatch, I think one of my favorite skins is Witch Mercy. Ooh, and I'm telling yes. you, when I'm watching Arthur, I'm all about that witch rapper. And all right, that's 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 the alt skin that we all needed. That we all needed, especially for this season. It was so perfect. So perfect. Once we get uh, once we get uh, ten patrons on our Patreon, we got to invite you for some. Uh, for some Overwatch games onto our Discord server. Bro, I will dust off the PlayStation. I will dust the sticks off that and I will be the the tank main that that your your party probably doesn't deserve. Y'all y'all could do a lot better than me, honestly. Uh, but we'd have a good time regardless. I, I haven't played Overwatch in like a year and a half, so but I'm willing to uh, if people if people pay us, patreon.com slash Limits. We also get a good line from Arthur here as like the witches regarding Hansel and Gretel. Arthur's just like, your house is very tastefully decorated. They're real, ah, ha, ha, ha. Yes, very good. Uh, so we do a little bit of the, uh, you know, the Hansel and Gretel thing, although we get a little bit of a twist in it of just like Arthur compliments the house and then the Ratburn witch is like, wait until you see the mall. <coughs> okay, can't do that voice. Uh, see, I feel like that maybe, you know, honestly, the voice was so to character. Like, I, I bet that the voice actor did the same thing after that voice as well, honestly. <laughs> they actually literally go to a, like, mall that is made out of candy. And it's it's great. The witch is, like, taking Arthur's measurement with a tape and then goes to buy an oven and then somehow Arthur and DW end up caged in the witch's house because they followed her back after they literally went on an errand for an oven they could fit into. Yeah, Arthur, uh, not really the sharpest crayon in the toolbox, if you will, uh, this episode. Definitely, definitely not. Uh, you know, it started off with the poor rashing decisions with the candy, uh, the poor intake of the cake, and, and now literally following the person that's about to cook them alive. Not the best play, my dude. But they are saved eventually by, uh, as another fairy tale intrudes on Arthur's dream, uh, the Tibble twins uh, push uh, the wrapper and witch into the oven. and uh, th- But it turns out it's actually seven Tibble twins. They are the 
uh, I forget what they called like if they're just the seven Tibbles, but it's obviously like the seven the seven dwarves, and their names are uh, pesky, whiny, grouchy, angry, noisy, creepy, and stinky, which is like all seven of my moods. <laughs> like I can be one of those things at any given time. Yeah, that's uh, man. How much? What is it if it's seven? It's not. It's not. It's not septa, is it? Uh, it is. Uh, no, Septa, I want to say. Is, okay, hang on. Nine, because that's like September. Uh, oh, gosh. I feel like I should know this because it's like hexagon. Hex is five. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna look into the Wikipedia Gazette as well. Seven-sided shape is called a heptagon. Heptagon. Okay. So Heptamom confirmed, I guess, in this universe. <laughs> yes, be- yes, because the uh, the Tibbles all think that DW is their princess, Doe White, and DW is like, no, 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 it stands for Dora Winifred, uh, and they and they all carry her away because it's nap time, and she asks Arthur to run and get help. Th- and this part is great. It's like where the the fiction of the of course, it's Arthur's dream, so it doesn't really have to make sense. But the fiction of the fairy tale world breaks for a second as Arthur, still in his Hansel gear, like runs around the sugar bowl looking for someone to help. And then Binky is there to roast him on sight with the best, <laughs> the, the best lines in this episode. Oh, man. The double roast as well. Just when you think it's over. He comes back for seconds, and it's just so good. It's so brutal. I love it. Uh, Yeah, so he sees Arthur in his getup, and he just goes, Hey, nice pants, Arthur. Where's the flood? And then, and then Arthur finds a like a red riding hood cape on a bench that he can put on just so he can hide what he's wearing. And then Pinky sees that, and he's like, Oh, great. What are you, super doofus? It's like Showtime at the Apollo here. Arthur's getting eaten alive. Yeah, I, I I feel like if if for whatever reason in the Arthur universe they decide to have a roast of a character, Binky would absolutely crush that show, both both literally and figuratively. A hundred, about a hundred percent. I would pay pay per view money to see that. And honestly, the the humor continues here because Arthur goes to gra- to Grandma Thora's house, and then. <laughs> It's so absurd, like the next minute and a half here, uh, because he goes to visit her, and what it is, it's Grandma Thora in bed, except it's actually the wedding cake dressed up as Grandma Thora, a la uh, Red Riding Hood and the Big Bad Wolf. So it's literally just an anthropomorphic cake that sounds like Grandma Thora. And, and you know, we even do the, like, you know, what... Uh, what uh, chocolatey eyes you have or something it's like and what creamy skin and oh man she's just like she's like it's this new moisturizer and, i've been using and, and she's got, <laughs> and she's got this weird effect to her voice it's just like it's my new moisturizer sounds like a star wars villain and then the best part is uh you know we lead up to all of this and of course in red riding hood it's like all the better to eat you with is the line but with the wedding cake it's all the better to be eaten by you and the wedding cake sucks itself into arthur through his mouth and he just... it's 
It's so funny. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. It, Yo, it, it's, it was, <laughs> the sight of him necking that entire wedding cake, and then he immediately gets like super cartoon fat and like doubles over. <laughs> and then, <laughs> just to top it off, DW comes into the house and is just like, like Arthur, you ate grandma. And then Arthur's like, it wasn't grandma. It was that wedding cake. <laughs> that whole sequence is hilarious and terrifying at the same time. Like the noise that it makes whenever the cake is being sucked into Arthur yeah. and everything. Oh, man. What a, what a sequence. What a sequence. I can't believe they thought of this. And it's just, <laughs> oh, my God. I love it so much because it's just so out there. This is you know, I I, I I don't want to dwell on this too much because I feel like I do it a lot. Like, talking about how I'm waiting for Arthur to get weird, this is the kind of weird I've been waiting for. Like, I think about this a lot. Uh, I, think, I think it's the second instance of, of, of Arthur and, and Cake being, uh, I guess, I guess so violently paired together. Like, I'm thinking about that, I think, that one sequence a, a couple of seasons ago where uh, Arthur's eyeing this piece of cake in the fridge and he hears the door open and he thinks that it's his parents, but it's actually DW. <laughs> and he manages to shove the entire cake into his mouth <laughs> in one go. So this is kind of almost, in some ways, when I was watching this, this fairy tale sequence, I was reminded of that, except the, the way that it's done, it's, it's more so instead of Arthur shoving the cake in, it's the cake shoving itself into Arthur. So really cool little parallels, I think. Uh, Arthur has a real weakness for cake. It's like one of his favorite snacks, it seems. Uh, and he just loves like just necking them whole, like a, a like game respect game here. Um, and the D- Arthur's dream ends with Buster the woodcutter coming in, and he is going to uh, play the role of the woodcutter in Red Riding Hood. But you know, there's no wolf to cut open, so instead he he has his axe. He's going to cut Arthur open because he thinks he could be either a grandma eating wolf disguised as Arthur or a grandma eating alien disguised as a wolf disguised as Arthur. Classic Buster going that 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 extra distance, and and I think that this sequence almost implies this this tragic end where where Arthur is essentially butchered by his best friend, which. Wow, what a way to wake up, let me tell you. It definitely is, like, pretty, like, the implied violence is pretty scary. And then that, of course, Arthur wakes up screaming, and he still has a pretty big stomachache. So Grandma Thora gives him some Pepto and puts him to bed and uh, hopes that every, and says that everything will kind of work itself out. Arthur's fairy tale dream continues that night because he imagines himself in Jack and the Beanstalk, Except instead of magic beans, it's the pills that Grandma Thor gave him. Like the, uh, I, guess, I guess they might be Tums even or something like that. And they grow into a beanstalk. Uh, it, and here is, again, kind of another really surreal sight. Arthur climbs the beanstalk up to the clouds. And he's going to steal a, uh, a confuse the goose, like a real life silly goose that he wants to bring back to DW. And he, then he becomes menaced by a manifestation of all the food he's ever eaten in his eight years of existence. And it's all kind of piled on top of each other in the shape of a giant man. It's The design on this, it's wild. And it really must have, like, they really had to do some outside-the-box thinking for this. Because you've got, like, 
you know, it's its head is a hamburger. There are parts of it that are made out of sausage links. Parts of its arms are like corn cobs. It's a, it's a good, healthy uh, American diet right there. That's that's what that's looking like, all right? I, honestly, I, I'm surprised that... I think the one thing that surprised me the most, aside from the outstanding character design here, um, is that that was all the food that Arthur had eaten in his entire life, and not just all the food that he had eaten, say, in that year. Because, I mean, we, again, we've seen Arthur pig out on plenty of occasions, all right? I wouldn't be surprised if that giant was even taller than it actually was in, in that sequence. Could be. Or there could be some internal parts that we don't see. Ooh, yeah, great point. Great point. You know, um, I, I, weird body fact. I'm pretty sure that, that your, your um, small intestine, when it's all stretched out, is supposed to be ridiculously long. Like, it doesn't make sense how long your small intestine actually is. Yeah, so. I've definitely I've heard that before too, but I don't want to make make guesses as to exactly how big because I'm sure I'd be wrong. Uh, the yeah. weird animation note that I've I've noticed this since I was a kid. Uh, there's a period from when Arthur escapes from the giant to when the giant starts climbing down the beanstalk, where the animation all of a sudden like the frame rate picks up and it gets a lot quicker, and then it just eventually stops. Like it's maybe a twenty second period where that happens, and I've never been able to understand why. Maybe it's just to make the whole scene feel a little bit more high stakes and, and fast-paced and tense. Uh, it's, it's definitely a lot. Uh, I, I want to harken back to the reason that Arthur climbs the beanstalk in the first place, which, by the way, I don't know, Will, if you, you do any rock climbing yourself, but, but Arthur is doing some serious bouldering here, all right? No harness necessary, just, just beanstalking it up to get up there. Um, but he takes the goose apparently because he wanted to replace the Mary Moo Cow set and I think another toy that he traded for the magic beads, right? So that's why he's coming down the stock with this very confused goose. Uh, and just, I think, the, the following sequence of events that, that happened with Arthur and, 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 and DW and uh, a surprise character reintroduction, I think, uh, makes it for some great television. Yes, I think that is indeed worth noting. And then Buster the Woodcutter comes back because he's a, a licensed and accredited beanstalk cutter. And, he cut, and, and, of course, he cuts down the beanstalk with a giant on it. Arthur wakes up, gives a huge burp, and he feels all better. Yeah. Man, when Buster actually reaches into his, his pocket and pulls out the license for being a beanstalk cutter. <laughs> oh, man. It's a nice Way too good. It's a nice little addition. And that's pretty much the end of the episode. We go back to the framing device. Arthur is reading this story, finishing the story. He says that Arthur never ate candy again and was and lived happily ever after. And then he starts eating a chocolate bar and he's like, "Well, maybe the happily ever after part will come true." Fair. I think it, it, it's it's fair to Arthur's character, right? He he learned his lesson, but maybe not as much as he would like us to believe that he did. Know your limitations, but also, you know, everything in moderation, including moderation. <laughs> well said. Before we move into the second half of the episode, uh, let's hear a little bit from uh, Lucas. And now a word from me, Lucas Mancini of Elwood City Limits. Don't forget to chat with your Elwood City Limits pals on social media with facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits or at ECL Podcast on Twitter. We also have a Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com, and an Instagram, at Elwood City Limits. If you want to send us a question, send us an email and get it read on the show 
at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. You can find the entire episode archive at elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com or on your favorite podcast service. If we aren't on your preferred podcast app, let us know, and we'll do our best to get on it. Thanks, as always, for supporting us here at Elwood City Limits. Now, back to the show. Thank you, Lucas. Good to have your voice on here, even if you're not here. Uh, All right, JV and me, we're going to be talking about the second half of this episode, which is The Big Dig. So this was one where I really didn't know what it was. And then as soon as it started, not only did I remember what it was, but I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this one isn't going to be as happy-go-lucky as the other one. Yeah, full disclosure, when I saw The Big Dig as one of the episodes that I was supposed to watch... I assumed that it would be the one where they're where they dig up the digging lawn? up in the yard yeah. Yeah, with the digestive biscuits. Yes. No, I was just saying, I, was, I guess I was saying that, you know, I was expecting that. And so when the episode started and they're talking about Grandpa Dave, I was just like, oh, man, it's this episode. Mm. I don't think that I was, I was in, you know, the, the proper mindset to be prepared for this particular episode, to be honest. It's a little bit of an emotional whiplash because it's like, the cold open is Arthur and DW talking about how much they love Grandpa Dave, and assen- and essentially that he is this become this mythical figure of like childhood wonder. For Arthur, it's like it, he like he imagines Grandpa Dave coming and just like it's like, hey, it's my favorite grandson. Let's go on an adventure and let's not bring DW. And DW imagines him as like this boundless energy, like he just keeps playing horsey with her. He's like, I could do this for hours, DW. Uh, and they just have this wonderful imagination of him uh, and how much they love him and all this kind of stuff. And then it immediately uh, we get the cold water of the beginning of the actual episode where Grandpa Grandpa Dave is asleep on the couch. And then DW's like, Mom, when is Grandpa Dave going home? He's already been here a week. And the kids are sick of him uh, because apparently all he does is sleep and play checkers and not even particularly a good game of checkers. Man, this whole episode, it definitely hits you in the feels. Um, But I think this opening sequence in particular just really messed me up because you have, you know, Grandpa Dave's grandchildren just, you know, essentially talking poorly about their grandpa and how he just doesn't have any energy and he's no fun to be around. And he's basically a shell of the man that he used to be. And we pan over slightly and we hear, we see in the doorframe, it's Grandpa Dave just listening to all of this just with an earshot. And honestly, that sequence, it, it really did break me a little bit. Because, um, you know, not, I mean, we can get a little personal, but, you know, I, I, I'm lucky to have, I guess, one set of grandparents left. But I also know that, I guess, that their time is a little limited as well. Mm-hmm. What's, what's your grandparent situation like? Do you have any any uh, any left? I do not. Uh, I, 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 lo- I lost my... No, that's all right. I lost I lost my grandparents at a pretty early age, so I've gone through a lot of my life without them. The only one that I was re- wow. really close to was my grandmother. Uh, the only one I was really close to was my grandmother on my mother's side, and she died when I was, I want to say, like 11 years old or something like that. Uh, yeah, but but I but I imagine like I do have older relatives and I imagine that if you have if you're the type of person that has a really uh, solid relationship with an older relative then this uh, might be a situation that seems kind of familiar. We even get a little bit of it where, you know, the kids are complaining about grandpa. And it, it also reminded me of the imposition of, you know, having relatives over to your house 
and then they have to sleep on the fold-out couch in the TV room, which means you can't use the couch and you can't watch TV as much as you want to. So I, I, I identified with that very little kid problem. That that was familiar, yeah, I, that was familiar I, to me. You know, it's it's interesting because I think that they did like a a good job in this sequence at depicting I think how a child would react to this kind of a situation because they're not fully cognizant of what's going on, and so their reactions are are more so tied to like you said, like they're not able to watch TV, their grandpa's no fun to be around, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I do know that <laughs> if if this was my family, my mom would have gone off on me for saying such things, for sure. So, uh, again, I think I definitely applaud um, Jane's patience in this entire episode because, man, it's like it's her dad, right? It's her dad that's going through the ringer right now, you know? Yeah. And, and it's just, man, it's just it's just so tough. You know, it's it's weird. I don't, okay. We're just, we're just going to jump into it. We've kind of stirred yeah. up the emotions. But my, my wife and I, you know, just after we got engaged, uh, we went to India uh, for my cousin's engagement. Um, in India, Indian culture, engagements are a really big deal too. Um, so their engagement was, was almost as big as a wedding for a lot, bigger than a wedding, honestly, for a lot of folks. So it was a very big deal. But we also made sure that uh, we had, when we had some time, we went and... Uh, brought my 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 fiance over to my grandparents' place, and it's just one of those things where I I know, you know. I I know that when I left that house, that I probably wouldn't be seeing my grandpa again, mm. and that's just like you know I think that's probably one of the reasons why like I I felt like I had more of an emotional effect than I, than I, I would care to admit from, from an Arthur episode, especially at this beginning, is because, man, it's just so tough. And just kind of seeing uh, my mom uh, just, just cr- trying to weather the storm a little bit and, and be torn between whether she's going to you know, sacrifice uh, her life here to, to make sure that she's able to spend you know, whatever moment she has left with her parents in India. Like, it's just a, a lot to consider and just, just a lot of emotions, I think, to, to really juggle. And I feel like this episode, it did a good job of, of, of kind of, I think, describing some of those emotions subtly so people who are maybe older can relate, but also framing it in a way where uh, kids can really, I guess, feel feel right in and, and, and almost kind of open their eyes a bit into, into a situation that, that honestly I think a lot of kids aren't really prone to understand. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, like the best Arthur episodes, it takes on a new dimension the older you get. And and thank you, and thank you for sharing that, for that anecdote, by the way. That couldn't have been, couldn't have been easy to deal with. And uh, I feel like a lot of us, uh, at least, at least I'm pretty sure, I'm sure some of our listeners have gone through something like that uh, as well. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. There's a, there's a point where mom is kind of intercepting the kids complaints and just saying, you know, I know that grand grandpa, grandpa Dave isn't as, uh, isn't as, you know, energetic as he used to be. And he needs the couch because he can't manage the stairs. And it's just like the first time we saw grandpa Dave first couple times, he was a very, very spry older guy. He had a lot of, a lot of spirit to him. You know, he seemed like a very physically active guy. And now we really see him more as, you know, an old, like his age. So it's a bit hard to reconcile, and, and and it seemed to be a really negative surprise for the kids as well. And uh, we d- and we did say that like uh, Grandpa Dave loves playing checkers, but the problem with playing with him, as Arthur uh, notes to Buster, is that uh, 
Grandpa Dave falls asleep after every move, and Arthur has to continue waking him up, so the checkers games take forever. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say, you know, we, we talked a bit about continuity um, in Just Desserts, and I think they did a good job with continuity here again, because even on Grandpa Dave's old farm, we sort of see the signs that Grandpa Dave is is slowly slipping away from the person that he used to be. Right. Right? I think that re- I remember very clearly... Uh, of course, there's there's the whole ordeal with the, with the chicken coop uh, and, and just how long it took them to, to accomplish that one task. And they were able to accomplish that one task together. But but even even Jane notes at the end of that episode, uh, well, geez, Dad, there seems like there's a lot of work that still needs to be done, right? And you see, like, the house just, just dilapidated and, and falling apart. And so it's cool to see that the writers are able to kind of take that concept, I guess, take that breadcrumb that they kind of sprinkled in at the at the end of Grandpa Day's old farm and carry it on into the future to now where it really has gotten to the point where, where Grandpa Dave, I don't think, is capable of, of taking care of the farm by himself, by any means. Uh, and he needs, <clears throat> sorry, he needs so much uh, assistance just to, to, to really keep going. Yeah, you're right about that. Uh, during one of those check- checkers games that DW and Arthur really try to avoid, they try to think of excuses, uh, but something falls out of Grandpa, Grandpa Dave's pocket, I keep wanting to call him Grandpa Thora because I'm used to saying that more. Uh, <laughs> something, uh, something that Arthur looks at, and it looks to be a map of some sort, like almost like a pirate's map. Uh, and they kind of question him about it, and he's like, "Oh no, no, it's not something for little kids." And DW says, "I'm a grown up in spirit." Mom says so. <laughs> so and yeah, I'm not gonna lie. That part when Arthur says. I am a big kid. I'm eight years old. And yeah. I'm just thinking, damn, am I really two decades older than Arthur now? God, yeah, you and, where did the time go? You and me both, brother. <laughs> we're, we're old enough. I'm, we're old enough in a certain scenario. We could be Arthur. We're old enough to be Arthur's dad. Not in our current, you need, you need, not in our current scenarios, mind you. But, you know, if we started, if we did a little bit of that teen mom thing. Okay, you need to you need to chill right now. Okay, <laughs> I can't even think about that right now. Okay, I'm not I'm not ready to have a little Arthur Munchkin of myself. I, I you know, and that's one thing too, is is I I'm sure that that one day I'll probably be a great dad. But I also know that right now when I think about having kids, it's if somebody if my wife came up to me and said, "Hey, I'm pregnant. We're gonna have a kid." I feel like I would be more terrified than elated. So that's how I know. You know, okay, maybe we should. I don't think there's many parents who aren't terrified when they find out that that's going to that's where their life is going, no matter how prepared they are. So I don't know if that exactly is going to go away. But, hey, I absolutely understand. We spent 10 minutes at the beginning of this episode talking about how great video games are. Do you think I'm ready for a child in any respect of my life? OK, so so now that we're on this tangent, I will say and I don't know if this is ethical or whatever but part of me almost when i'm raising i i I think it'd be really cool if i was like raising my kids to do it in some sort of like a like a time loop fashion where i wouldn't give them the latest and greatest games right away Mm. right or the latest and greatest movies right away i feel like i'd want to you know start them off like with old nes so that was like their experience of like what a video game was at first so they could appreciate those old games and slowly work them up you know over the course of maybe like a, a year or two to the modern games um, that's some Plato's Cave stuff, I yeah. know, but but I feel like it would be it would be kind of cool. In its own I mean, they're your hypothetical kids, so you can do do whatever you like. <laughs> are you gonna are you gonna be the parent who like straps the kid in right away with a VR headset and you're like, figure it out, have a great time? Not necessarily. <laughs> I think it's more like uh, it reminds me of when I first started uh, dating 
Jenna and I was like, oh man, I, like I made up a list of like, here's all the movies that we totally have to watch and all this kind of stuff and all, all the video games I want to show you and all this kind of stuff. And then after a while, I just kind of realized that, um, and a while being like a couple of years, it's like, she's going to, she and by proxy, the people who are going to be a part of my life, including, you know, any kids that I'll have later, they're going to discover things on their own. And the important thing is to let them have their own discoveries and then there will be there will be times where you'll be able to kind of share with them the things that the things that you love. And you always have to be ready for them to either, well, maybe love it even more than you or not love it as much as you do. In fact, not love it at all. So um, it's a, it's an interesting plan. That's for sure. But I don't know if I would want to, uh, you know, necessarily give them a, a linear experience of, uh, you know, the evolution of things. I think it's uh, absolutely worth it for them to kind of get immersed in their own culture and then if they have questions about the ones that came before i mean that's that's what you and i are here for so i think you know there's that's, a, the, that's a there's point. a there, there's a i think there's a lot to be said about letting them kind of come to things naturally because i think that 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 will kind of uh, foster their natural curiosity because they'll have a million questions about a million things that's true. And I bet that at, at that point, technology is probably going to be such a huge part of our lives, like even more than it is right now, that it's probably inescapable for like a kid to kind of like live in like a little little world where something like, say, an, an old Nintendo, like an old NES system was was relevant. Like I bet all around them is going to be, you know, so many vivid colors and, and, and animated figures and whatnot that they're probably already going to have a much higher bar than, say, uh, what we had growing up. A hundred percent. And there'll be a lot more access to a lot more different things and it'll just be completely different than the way you and I grew up. So it's better to embrace that and let them have their own thing. At least that's that's what I think. Uh, so speaking of family, uh, Grandpa, Grandpa <laughs> Dave decides to tell Arthur and D.W. the story of their great, 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 great uncle Blacktooth, who is apparently the roughest pirate who ever sailed the seven seas. Uh, and he got so rich uh, with like gold doubloons and candy. Candy is another big export for him, or import, I should say. Uh, that he needed to he needed to bury it because his ship was overburdened. There's a part here where uh, you know uh, Blacktooth was apparently famous for like having terrible breath because he never brushed his teeth. <laughs> and there's a part here where he's like, you know, I like I'm the toughest pirate in all the seven seas, and then. Arthur, like an episode of Adam Ruins Everything, comes up and says, actually, there are 11 Cs, sir. And then uh, Blacktooth uses <laughs> uses smog with his breath, and it was super effective. Arthur <laughs> Arthur is thrown off the boat and apparently just dies. It's like during a storm, so like Arthur's dead. Arthur's totally dead. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah absolutely. You know, I, it's funny. I, obviously, this is a reference to, to Blackbeard, right? Yeah. And, and I'm not gonna lie. Whenever he was he was going through his treasure hoard, I, I I was thinking about the the opening theme song for One Piece at the same time, right? Um, but what I didn't realize was that Blackbeard is not a fictional character. This whole time I've lived my entire life, honestly, until just a couple of hours ago when I looked it up myself, Blackbeard was a real person. He was an he's an actual person, and they used that person to build stories like Treasure Island and things like that. Also, okay, while we're on it, pirate fact, most pirates in general didn't bury their gold. There's one pirate apparently who was known for doing it, and I th it was William something. And that was, that, I, I don't think Blackbeard was necessarily associated with that either. 
but it's cool to see, I guess, like the concept that we have like this Blackbeard character and we have this other character who was known for burying their treasure and we've kind of combined them together to create, I think, the mythos that is uh, Blackbeard and in this case, Blacktooth. So weird pirate facts, I guess, with JV. Well, pirate, pirate facts are cool because it's, it's almost hard to believe that this was ever like a part of human history. It feels like more an invention of the movies, but no, there is like truth being stranger than fiction here. So it's always... It's yeah. always interesting to learn about those types of people. Uh, like, uh, I don't know if you're following the news, but um, there, there's one particular island that's just, uh, uh, you know, in the Indian Ocean that is the last, you know, bit of humanity that is untouched by, by the yeah, modern world. Yeah, yeah, I did right? hear about North that. Sentinel Island, yeah. And I'm just thinking, like, wow. Like, like it's crazy to think that there's, still, there's, you know, some folks out here who, I guess... Are, are still living in the old ways, if you will, right? Completely masked from, from the, the nuances of the modern world. And, you know, you, you read things like that and you're just like, wow, life really is sometimes stranger than fiction. It's interesting. Well, it's always amazing to come up to realize there are things you don't know that you don't know. So in this Blacktooth story, he has to bury all of his treasure. And Grandpa Dave says the nearest port was Elwood City. So here's another wrinkle, a new wrinkle in the location of Elwood City. We've a lot of our listeners have narrowed it down to places like, you know, Boston, uh, Massachusetts specifically, those kind of places. But apparently, Elwood City is a port city. Now this is <laughs> now this is a this is a, eventually what we discovered to be a fake story from Grandpa Dave. So he could just be putting them on, but maybe there's some truth to this. Elwood City is a port city. I'm still going to stand by, I think, what, what Mark Brown said, that it was based on Erie, Pennsylvania, which is, I think, uh, the town that he grew yeah. up in. So that's that's my best guess. But, of course, I feel like the the Elwood City that of Mark Brown's universe and the Elwood City of the Arthur Extended Universe are, are maybe two different places. Mm. Yeah, could be. Anyway, I just wanted to make sure I put that out there. And then uh, Blacktooth couldn't find where he buried his treasure and he di- and he died not knowing where it was. There's a scene here with old Blacktooth going around with one of his younger uh, uh, mates, I guess. And what and it's and it's DW aged up as an adult in pirate garb. This is a look and a half. <laughs> this is this is not just we're not just talking Halloween costume. You could get away with this like d- like going to the club or something. This is awesome. It's I I I'm not even really sure to describe it. It's, Older DW, same hair, but uh, with an eye patch, like a, a red, uh, like a red shirt with the white pirate hatchings instead of like buttons or something. Uh, blue pants and like tan, like almost look like boots, but they, they almost look like Uggs. <laughs> yeah, she. I remember looking at this whole sequence at, at, at DW stance and everything, and I was just thinking, man. She could definitely play the role of a, like a supervillain, just you know, uh, it's, it's just slightly different. Uh, this whole episode's again, like we said before, it's done a great job with these alternate costumes, and I think grown-up pirate overseer DW is is no exception to this rule. Uh, so you know, Grandpa Dave says that the treasure's still hidden somewhere, and it is and it is implied after this that it's like, well, he just made this up, and it will be confirmed later on but arthur and dw completely taken with this story dw uh breaks into arthur's room that night and they talk about what they would do if they found the treasure so arthur 
would buy the theme park Wonder World and make it into Arthur's Wonder World. But then DW would use it for something even more creative. She would uh, make her plastic unicorns real and she even gets like a little tune that goes along with this and i love the lyrics here it's like the lyric starts off with you know you've always dreamed it and with money dreams come true it's a child it's a child it's a childish understanding of money but also like kind of true yeah I i was thinking about the lyrics i was like man this is you know, if it was tweaked to be slightly different, I could see this ditty being played in the world of Bioshock. Honestly, <laughs> I could. I really could. A little bit. It is It is. It is a little bit of a Randian philosophy of just like, if you have money, then you can be the greatest of them. You can be the ubermensch. <laughs> a man chooses, a pony obeys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... They conspire to get the map away from Grandpa Dave, and eventually they do. They they kind of uh, spirit, spirit it away. It was in the couch cushions, and a cameo here by the head of Clarissa, which I guess DW wasn't taking very good care of. So they find it, and they manage to track down where they think the treasure is supposed to be. The, and as they, the, they wait for Grandpa Dave to like go to a doctor's appointment, and then they do all of like the pace. They have to like walk so many paces this way and DW is kind of like trying to walk but she's being offset by the weight of the shovel that she's carrying and she just falls over at one point and just kind of grumbles stupid pirate <laughs> yeah that that part definitely was I think the, the bit of brevity that this episode needed for sure just uh just a really nice light moment especially again like what we were talking about before with some of the breadcrumbs to Arthur alluding to maybe some some deeper, I guess, darker themes with with Jane taking her dad to to uh, the ho- the the doctor and whatnot. Uh, definitely good, definitely good, a good bit of reprieve. And uh, so they so they start digging where they think the treasure's supposed to be, but they dig like pretty much all day, and they don't find anything. And eventually, Grandpa Dave comes to find them, and he admits that he just kind of made up the story. He was going to bury some candy for them to find later, but he but they got ahead of him. And they're both very upset by this. You know, DW says, you know, says, you lied, Grandpa, you lied. And so and then they both go back to the house and start watching TV on the couch. And Arthur's like, I don't care if Grandpa needs this. I'm watching Bionic Bunny. And DW's like, yeah, and I don't even like Bionic Bunny. But th- and this is pretty much the end of the episode here. And I, I wonder, I know the episodes kind of started off on a little bit of a downer note, especially in light of kind of what you were talking about, JV. But this one ends on something a bit more heartwarming where uh, Grandpa Dave gives gifts DW and Arthur a gold compass that was given to him by his, like, was it his great-great-grandfather or something like that? Like a, a, dist- a distant relation who was lost at sea once and used the compass to find his way back home. And Grandpa starts settling into this uh, pretty interesting story about uh, Matthew was his name. And... And kind of how he found himself to be trapped out on the water. And Arthur, who was originally watching Bionic Bunny, he like pointedly looks at the remote and then turns off the TV because he's too busy listening to his grandpa. And so in a way, uh, grandpa has managed to uh, gain back some of the favor that he that he kind that he kind of lost at the beginning of the episode just by being himself, essentially. Yeah, and and that's really nice too. I, I remember one part. 
earlier in the episode, after Arthur and DW are so taken in by the fake story that he made, uh, I think Grandpa Dave says something to um, his daughter of the tune of, yup, looks like their, their number one favorite grandpa is back in business. Uh, and so it's, it's cool to see, I guess, a harken back to that. Only Grandpa Dave is able to do that through the stories that he has um, that are that are are honest and that the true bit of history and it's it's great to see that the kids um, have have grown to appreciate I think a new facet of their grandfather that maybe they hadn't before right like when we think about uh, at the very beginning of the episode how they each picture Grandpa Dave it's all about the adventures that they'll go on together all about the endless energetic horsey rides and and now it's interesting I guess to see that I think the kids have gone to be accustomed to the new dynamic that they they have with their grandfather uh, and are actually appreciating him for who he is now and not just longing for who he used to be. Yeah. And it's and it can be a lot to take in as uh, somebody older watching it, but it is a very nice kind of sentiment to end off the episode with. So let's uh let's talk about the episode a little bit more in detail here. Let's go back to Just Desserts. What did you make of this one, JV? Uh, I thought it was a really fun watch, uh, to say the least. Uh, I had a great time with it. There were plenty of laughs. The alternate costumes were were so incredible. Um, and I think I really appreciated a lot of the, the world building that they did uh, using the scope of Arthur. Uh, like you said before, one of my favorite parts is the entire Red Riding Hood sequence because we assume that this is all taking place at first in this fairy tale land and to see it actually go to Elwood City proper uh, and to see Arthur you know in the world right in front of the sugar bowl with Binky standing to, to make a make a couple jokes at him and then running actually to his grandmother's house uh, I thought all that was was really really interesting and really well done um, the ending I think was not necessarily the strongest but uh, overall, I had a really good time with the episode, and I and I had a lot of laughs and a lot of appreciation for just the alternate costumes and whatnot. I agree. I think this is a really great episode, uh, one of the best of the season. It's got such a just. It's got such a terrific energy. There's not a lot of high stakes things that are happening. It's just kind of a fun little aside. But there's a lot of just life in. Uh, and and spirit into what's going on you know it's especially when you started off with like oh yeah arthur's jonesing for this cake and i'm like man i'm jonesing for that cake it sounds delicious <laughs> but it's just like okay arthur has this really childish and silly plan that backfires and then we kind of get the uh the added dimension of putting fairy tales into the mix and arthur's take on fairy tales which is actually like pretty cool like a, like their take on fairy tales is funny it's uh it uses the uh, the capital of the Arthur universe, the characters and the settings and everything, and it uses them very well. It even kind of pushes back in a metatextual kind of way with the binky part of just like where the the idea of the fairy tale just kind of goes away for a second for the sake of comedy. And I think that works incredibly well. And yeah, the the, the fairy tale parts, which makes it make up the bulk of the episode, are just super entertaining. They're like at times just hilarious and just very imaginative and fun and so th this and there that's pretty much the meat of the episode but it's just it's such it's it, it's real it's real grade a meat so i really enjoyed this it's uh it's funny it's really cool to look at especially some of the designs and like 
you know, how some of the animators had to draw like the candy house and the candy mall and all that kind of stuff. I think that the a lot of good work really went into this, and I really appreciated it. Yeah, especially from a writing perspective, I think that this is definitely one of the the strongest episodes uh, from a writing standpoint. Right? I feel like the the writers did a in addition with the animators, they did a really great job of just squeezing out the most that they can from from pretty much every bit of dialogue. Like it felt like uh, pretty much every piece had like some sort of of gag or at least a setup to some kind of joke. Uh, within it, whether, like you said before, it was uh, the Babe reference at the beginning or the Pee Wee Herman reference uh, or, or even just a little quick take to Arthur saying, well, maybe I'll just have, have one little piece to DW immediately. It's like, why'd you eat two pieces? You know, it's, it, was, it was good. It's really well done from a writing standpoint. And as for uh, the big dig, uh, I'd say it's not quite on the level of just desserts, but I, uh, because I don't think the story 100% comes together here. It's not a, like I didn't take as many notes for this one just because, you know, the point A to point B storytelling is not like the super tightest or anything, but it kind of doesn't have to be because what really works for this is the sentiment behind the episode. And it's really about the kid's relationship with Grandpa Dave and the lengths he'll go to to kind of go get back in their favor again. And I really think it didn't it didn't resonate with me personally, but I can see where it would for another viewer with a different relationship with an older relative or with their grandparents as like as you you yourself were mentioning uh jv so i can really appreciate the efforts i think the the uh, little part in the middle with uh black tooth was pretty fun and uh i think it ends well too it's just a nice little story and i'm very happy to see grandpa dave again i've loved episodes with him in the past and i think this one is very good too it's not not the best of the season but it is still it's up there it's 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 really good yeah like i said before i think that you know when, when we talk about just desserts what we really appreciate is uh, just how much was packed into the writing, um, the, the animation, the, the sequences that were crafted in that all together were just so imaginative and so creative and just so well done. And, uh, you know, the Big Dig, it doesn't necessarily have any of that. But I think what it certainly does have in spades is quite a bit of emotional depth um, that I don't think I fully appreciated as a, a kid Um but I really do appreciate now that I'm, I'm much older, uh, to say the least. Uh, I think that personally speaking, I think this is this. You know, and, and I might be biased, especially given the, the time frame that that I am in personally with my life. But I think that from an emotional perspective, it was it was one of the one of the most one, one of the better done episodes I think in Arthur so far. Um, just at, at capturing, I guess, some of the subtleties. Uh, that that go on whenever you do have a, an older relative that um, is is aging and 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 slowly getting and transforming to, I think transforming away from a, a place where where maybe someone was so used to knowing them your entire life and and coming to terms with accepting them now for for who they are and appreciating, I'd say the time that you have with them as well as who they are and just how much wisdom that they still have to impart on you. So uh, I think I definitely liked this one more than you, but I will agree that that Just Desserts is, is definitely the, the stronger of, of the pair of episodes here. And I can see, and I can see a lot of people saying the same thing as you, JV, just because, just because it didn't, you know, touch my heart. It's, you know, it's not like for me, for me, it's like every time they bring up the, you know, Buster and his mom, 
kind of the div- the divorce angle with things. That's something I can more relate to. Just because I can't relate to this doesn't mean that it doesn't work very very well, which it does. So uh, yeah, uh, again, great pair of episodes here, and that's gonna. <laughs> oh man. My poor voice. I'm going to... You sounded like Grandpa Dave a little bit. You, you can't go, little, Will. You got too much I, to live I for. I sure man. do. I got to drink a lot of water. So I, I'm going <laughs> to... We're going to have to wrap this one up here. But uh, JV, it's been great having you on again. And I imagine in a, few, in a few weeks to a month, we'll be hearing from you again. And we're going to need all of your esports expertise uh, when we're talking about the best of the nest. Oh, I am so ready, right? I feel like this episode, it, it definitely was a bit more more mellow, especially towards the latter half of it. But I can already just, just see the conversation that, that you, uh, me, and Lucas are going to be having in a, in a couple weeks. And, and I am stoked, all right? I can see some anime, some hip-hop, definitely a lot of video game talk, to see the least. Uh, and, I, and I'm definitely stoked to, to be circling back with y'all in a couple of weeks. It's going to be great. And the next time that Lucas returns to the show uh, very soon, we hope he's been buried with school, so uh, he's going to be free again very soon. We're going to be doing some fun stuff, and including ending off Season 5 of Arthur, uh, the final episode of the season, Arthur's Family Feud, and Muffy Gets Mature. And we've got some fun stuff coming up for December in the pipeline as well. I will also say that if you uh, want to, I would recommend that sooner rather than later, okay, you go to soundcloud.com slash Limits and you check out the Arthur's Perfect Christmas commentary because that's not going to be around for free for too much longer, okay? So get your Christmas viewing in real soon and uh, you can uh, check out me and Lucas doing some commentary of Arthur's Perfect Christmas. And, uh, yeah, JV, uh, do you have anything that you would like to plug before we get out of here? Uh, feel free to check me out on Twitter at JVarg1990. Uh, I'm also going to be streaming a bit on Twitch as well. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I have a nice backlog of games that I'm slowly working through. Uh, so if you want to watch me uh, catch up on some indie games and whatnot uh, and just talk a lot about um, esports and whatnot feel free to follow me on twitch at uh, slash jvarg1990 there as well all right I, I i should really be doing that too by the way we need to add each other on playstation as well just so we can uh, Ooh, uh yes get some overwatch or something going soon enough my name is will young for this episode of elwood city limits i want to say thank you very much for joining me we'll see you in december and for jv The better to be eaten by you. (laughs) We'll catch you next time.